Hello, and welcome to episode 59 of Q&A Quest. Uh, we almost have enough episodes to qualify for AARP. Uh, and with me, as always... Each of these taking a year off of my life? I wasn't informed of this. <laughs> I'm sorry, did you not Did you not read the fine print in our contract? I don't work... Oh, no. It's <laughs> <laughs> Family Master, David McBurney, whichever you prefer. And with us for an unprecedented second episode in a row. Hello, it's me again from Japan. I have lots of free time right now because all the schools are closed. Yeah, I'm all about taking schools are this. very busy. <laughs> <laughs> and this is our end of the year wrap up of sorts. Um, so we are going to. Uh, do a few questions that people posted and comments and yelling at us and then we will talk about all the random nonsense nonsense from this year mostly Romancing Saga 2 uh, so let's see here I think we've all got a lot to say about Romancing Saga 2 yes Do we want to charge into that or? No, 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 no. Let's clear out the questions first because there aren't a lot of them. Okay. Uh, let's see. Well, to go back two episodes, there were some comments made on Space Fleas from Nowhere and Wild Arms Two, and I kind of went on a rather large tangent in the <laughs> which should have been aired last episode. However, that. Pre- the previous episode was not actually up for listening at the time, so I did not even know I was going to be upset about this. <laughs> <laughs> Trust me, I, I earned a well-deserved roasting. Yeah, it wasn't that bad. So, I mean, I had to stop myself before I actually wrote a short-term paper on the primary themes <laughs> of the game. Because, because I mean, this is how strong this game is had a hold on my part of my brain for the last 16 years is I still remember the primary themes and motivations for all the characters. Even if I can't remember any of their names properly because the game lets you rename every single major and minor NPC in the game. It's really strange. Yeah. It, it does have some of my favorite names though. Like there's a I think the guy who is in charge of Odessa is named like Vinsfeld Radamanthus. It's a very powerful villain name. Actually, I think that was one of the few characters you couldn't. Actually, no, you couldn't rename the main villain or the the apparent main villains. Yeah. You could rename the guy who's the actual villain because you don't know he's a villain at first. Yeah, I believe his default name is well. If we're just gonna I mean, spoilers are gonna come up in this, but is Irving Vald Valeria, at least in the English version. Well, yeah. Oh, well, this version I played it. You could only change his first name, as far as I remember. Yeah, I think I he's always Valeria. That I. I did not think Ashley was a very good name for the main hero. Not That's why I, don't I remember the blue-haired boy's real name. Other than that, the only character's name I did not change in that entire game was the NPC who was described as a vacant-looking kid because he had the same name as this stoner down the hall from me in the dorm who was also rather vacant-looking. <laughs> I'm, I'm curious, there's one thing that I'm curious about, if this is the case in the Japanese version, because, like, two of the, like, random tag-along minor NPCs are by default in the English version named Tony Stark and Scott Summers. <laughs> that would, that would have to be, um, 
localization at work. Yeah, because I cannot imagine that being the case in the Japanese version. I, I mean, if somebody was a really big fan of the mid-90s manga version of the X-Men, then maybe Scott Summers, but Tony Stark didn't appear anywhere in that, as far as I know. Yeah, it would have to be like some I, sort of I'm, hardcore Western comic otaku. <laughs> I mean, granted, granted, um, in Wild Arms 3, there was a monster that in the English version was called Diobarg, mm-hmm. but, because that was backwards for Graboid, and apparently <laughs> they could not get the... Uh, Apparently, somebody decide, in the legal department decided that they kept, could not use the actual name of the movie monster, <laughs> even though that's exactly what the thing is. Um, and in Japanese, it is called Graboido. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's really good. So technically, if you could get a list of like the major production staff for Wild Arms Three, you would have the you would have a way of connecting. Um, what, what, that, um, six degrees of Kevin Bacon. You could connect Kevin Bacon to almost anywhere in the Japanese game industry if you could find the right list of people. <laughs> I'm kind of just terrified of this new brave new frontier. God, six degrees. Oh, the God, that brings me back to. I'm the... thinking the old Q and A challenge. Yeah. Oh God. That was actually what made me think about it the first time. <laughs> oh, those got. I have never spent so much time on IMDB than I did for those <laughs> challenges. <sighs> my my secret to that was always, okay, what video game companies own a movie studio and <laughs> and then, you know, trying to connect to a movie from one of those studios. So all roads usually led back to Sony, essentially. That was usually a good way to go. Yeah. Uh, Alright, so is that all on Wild Arms 2? Well, just that, I mean, the final boss of that game can't really be described as a space flea from nowhere because it's got a lot of build-up leading to it, and it's much more of a MacGuffin that justifies the entire, literally the entire plot and about ten years ahead of the plot. It's just, it takes a long time to... to have all the necessary information revealed, and it's just a really, really weird cosmic horror kind of being. So, I mean, okay, I think I know where I'm coming back in. <laughs> I mean, if you ha- if you could actually reach back through time and get H.P. Lovecraft to write you a JRPG scenario, that's about how weird the final boss would be. Yeah. I want to play this game now. Yeah. Um, a- as it was, it was like the final... The, uh, entity that became the final boss was actually a co- I mean literally a an alternative cosmic paradigm semi-sentient that was infiltrating reality oh that and, oh gosh um, and so it was so its attempts to alter Phil Gaia's reality to its own were what was causing the desertification of half the planet and the spawning of all these monsters. Hmm. And halfway through the game, it reaches the point where the sky breaks. (laughs) Which is when the vampire um, (laughs) character is able to join your party as the sixth party member, because she can finally go outside without 15 layers of clothes on. It's fine, the sun's broken. Yeah. Oh, the sky's broken, the sun's still there, apparently. It just can't reach her. Yeah. And so... At the very end of the game, it's trying. Um, 
So um, in all the Wild Arms games, you have these things that are like like the Final Fantasy Eidolons that are like representative of either an elemental force or some sort of emotional or um, spiritual aspect of the world. Yes, there are. Um, and so there's one in, in, in Wild Arms 2 that is essentially the aspect of life. And it's this immense sea of mud surrounding the center of Philgaia's life force, literally. And hmm. that's what that's what the, this cosmic horror is trying to encroach on and absorb so it can finally um, devour the planet and hmm. make it its own. And so in order to stop this thing, which does not actually have a body and cannot be fought normally, the, the uh, actual villain of the game has set up events starting 10 years in the past and going all the way through the game to try and unite the world into a force that could actually do something creating your heroic team in the process. Um, his entire plan was either the heroes win or the terrorists win, and one of these two groups is going to kill the monster. It's like whoever wins, they'll have united, they will have either by cooperation or force have united enough of the world's resources to do something about this. Mm. Yes. And so at the very end, he and his sister bond with the cosmic horror in order to give it a body to be killed. Yes. <laughs> Wild Arms 2 is a crazy game. <laughs> yes. It really deserved a much better translation than it got because, oh, man. Um, and, uh, yeah, one of the things I like about it was um, you don't see a lot of JRPGs with a an identifiable central theme, but a lot of the Wild Arms games do. So Wild Arms 2, every major character's motivation somehow came back to heroism. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, even some of the villains, it came back to the, what their idea of her of being a hero would be, or mm -hmm. um, working for it or against it, or in the memory of somebody else, or in the case of the third main character, being put in prison for ten years for war crimes, or being on the hero on the wrong side of a civil war. <laughs> said civil war leading to the despotic ruler of the country turning his entire kingdom into a salt wasteland. Uh, whoops. Yeah. Well, Wild Arms 2 and 3 are definitely my favorite ent entries in the franchise for different reasons, because 3 is a more solidly put together game, but 2 is a much more like narratively ambitious game. Yeah. So yeah, I've only pl I've only played one, two, and three. I never played four, five, or Crossfire. Should I? Uh, eh. <laughs> like there's some there's some attempts to like introduce elements into four and five to make the gameplay more interesting, but the stories kind of degenerate from there. Okay, like, then I will not worry about this in the moment. Yeah, like four and five. Uh, both add, like, mild strategy RPG elements and platforming elements. I mean, and 2 and 3 had some platforming stuff, too, with the... But you have, like, a dedicated jump button in 4 and Oh, okay, never mind, that's a bit different. <laughs> that's a bit more like Xenogears, and oh, Xenogears was awful at times about that. Um, yeah, I don't think there's anything quite as bad as some of the ones in Xenogears where, like, all of your forward momentum stops when the game starts loading a battle, but... <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's... I, keep, 
Apparently, Budai also had something to comment on his different videos. Oh, he said, um, uh, yes, that he did start Romancing Saga too. Oh, yes, man. he did. And? And, and um, he wants to take us to task for constantly bashing uh, Breath of Fire, apparently. I will shit talk that game until the day I die. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he he does make a good point that the game, various games in that series had very interesting features that were often ahead of their time. A lot of it wasn't put together particularly well. Um, some games better than others. Um, like the original Breath of Fire, every single party member had a different field ability that you could use if they were in the front of the party. Yeah. Two does that as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, I remember that in two as well. I, I haven't actually played three and four to say anything about them, but I just remember Breath of Fire, the original, it had some interesting mechanics. It had some pretty nice, decent graphics, including one animated cutscene that looked more like something from Mega Man. And um, yeah, the Earth Golem firing uh, mm -hmm. laser. And just that it it was like every every JRPG I had ever played had some part of a story put in there. That's that's a fair way to describe it. It's like if if I needed if I needed to pick one game to serve as like the science museum example of definition of a JRPG, that would, game would definitely be on the list. Yeah, for me, like, the thing about it is that, like, it will have the occasional, like, like, there are things in it that point towards the sorts of features that would become popular later, but they're never expanded upon enough to feel like anything more than gimmicks that are just sort of there to give it some sort of identity. Oddly enough, I had a similar thought about um, last year while playing Final Fantasy VI Game Boy Advance version. Hmm. Where, I mean, yes, if you already know what the entire story is going in, in an and you remember it, unfortunately, well. There's no real surprises to be had. There's not a lot of dramatic tension left over. And there's just a whole bunch of combat gimmicks. Mm. It's like literally every character in that game has a different combat gimmick almost. Including, including the guy who's only in the party for one long ride down a river. And the guy who only fights in battle once and then dies. Yeah, and like you can tell that those are gimmicks because like by the by the end of the game, it's generally better to never use any of them. Mm, yeah. That's what? <laughs> well, no, some of them are some of them still maintain some usefulness in the end game. However, I, I would maintain on your the play style, I would say that most of them do. Uh, well, I mean, unless you're going crazy and some of them do. unless you're going crazy and grinding like the best spells for absolutely everyone in your party, most Which, most you know people do. Sure, but if you're not doing that, most of the abilities are still still good, like the blitzes. Uh, oh yeah, gosh. Yeah, those are still good, and some of the Edgar's blue, tools are okay. The blue magic. Well, if you get the the later ones, yes. Blue magic. Um, blue magic is just good throughout. Um, Gawa, if you get. But the sketch ability is literally broken in so many ways that. Yeah. Sketch ability is broken in enough ways that it's almost kind of dangerous to use in the original version. Yes, 
And, I mean, Gao's Rage List. I mean, you try playing that sucker in Japanese and trying to remember which monsters oh, do. Uh, like the, the, rages, the Rages are, like, more like traditional blue magic in that they require a really high-level understanding of how the... Of, aspects of the game that the player isn't traditionally privy to on a first playthrough. Yes. I think the one that's mostly useless would be uh, Celeste. Whatever the hell... Runic is basically a one-time gimmick use. I made use of it in a couple other battles, and it's good for recharging her MP. But yeah, it's very limited. Yeah, I don't think Morph is ever that useful. Uh, Uh, There were other games in the series that did better versions of that. I mean, it's mm-hmm. effectively the Ur version of Final Fantasy IX's Trance. Yeah, yeah. And FF9, that gimmick, like, that gimmick doesn't work that well, like, to the point where they have to gin up reasons in the story for it to activate at times that would actually make it useful. <laughs> oh, it's but, uh, still not nearly as bad as Tales of the Tempest's Beast Transition. Oh, There's a reason that I don't play Tales of the Tempest. <laughs> Tales yeah. of the Tempest. I mean, yeah. Uh... Um, that game, I could never figure out, I mean... First of all, there were very specific, um, like health bar requirements for activating beast the beast form, mm-hmm. and I could never actually hit the right combination of requirements and remember what the bu- which button to turn it on. Oh god! Sometimes, so the only times I used beast form were the times when the story demanded it, and it just automatically started. I feel like everything about Tales of the Tempest, uh, about like the reason no one cares about Tales of the Tempest, can be summed up in like two anecdotes. One being that they made essentially the entire mothership escort designation to not have to talk about Tales of the Tempest anymore, and two that the fan translation of Tales of the Tempest into English was released as a prank. Yeah, it, the no. the pet the uh, like release notes for that are hilarious for that translation yeah. well, patch. Yeah, I know you forwarded them on to me. Um, yeah, I, yes, I remember the the group comment about how the main character never grows up, and he's he starts out as a whiny brat, he ends the game as a whiny brat. Yeah, I believe it was it. And I just right. I, I thought about it and I realized you know between the start of the game and the end of the game, including all of the times I stopped at an inn where I when I didn't really need to for plot. There's maybe thirty days worth of time passing between those two, between the beginning and the end. <laughs> so, um, I mean, if I've actually put some thought into this, and so if I had to, for some reason, take charge of a project to remake that game, the first thing I would do is would be to double the length. Yeah, it's only like twelve hours and, long, isn't it? Yeah. So I, I would I would make the end of the original game the midpoint, and then do it like um, what happened in Grandia the first, where the two main characters, boy and girl, sail off and have a larger journey of discovery before ending up having to really save the world. God, I love Grandia 1. (laughs) I mean, that would have worked so much better to help develop those two characters a bit more. Hmm. Um, Plus, it's been said that the next kingdom over where one of the other main characters comes from is being overrun by the same kinds of monsters and that's never addressed (laughs) stay tuned for Tales of the Tempest 2 a game that's absolutely going to come out yeah and everything else I mean everything else you can complain about that game is the kind of thing that would get fixed in a remake anyway 
Mm. Because every time they remake one of the Tales games, they try to update the battle system to whatever is the newest version. And at least 60% of the problems I had with that game were re directly related to the battle system. That one uses, like, the three-lane, like, Rebirth-style system, doesn't yes, it? Yes, it uses the three-lane system, the controls are wonky, and you know how normally only the main character has four abilities mapped to buttons for yeah. control purposes? In that game, all characters have four abilities mapped. Oh. Nothing else mm. is usable in that like you do, the game does that as like just a way that you don't have to go into the menu to use things. Just mapping that for everyone else is just ridiculous. Yes, and so it means that the game's signature super spell, the Tempest, which I'm supposed to have gotten specifically to help eliminate the final boss, never saw a single use in the entire game. <laughs> because there were more important healing and other support abilities that that character needed. Oh heavens. Yes. But yes, number one, thing, number one thing to do with remaking the game is actually to make it twice as long to give the characters enough time to actually develop past the point where they are completely annoying little whiny bitches. <laughs> and change the, change the art style so it no longer looks like they have green marbles for eyes. Oh god. Uh... I think that was the only Tales game farmed out to Dimps. Yes. Which, uh, yeah. Probably one of Japan's biggest like contract developers. It's kind of interesting. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Anyway, next year or start. Um, I guess. I mean, we only have four days left of this year, but so sometime in the near future, I will be playing Tales of Innocence. The, so, which will mean that I've played all four Tales games on the DS. Mm. Yay! Question mark. Yeah. Hey, I mean, I mean, two of the others were Tales of Hearts and the Sergeant Frog RPG. Oh, that's mm. what I was. I was thinking, like, what's the fourth one? And then I remembered Tales, Tales of Cat Tales of Frogs. Yes. <laughs> Tales which is of, a yeah. better Tales game than Tempest, by a long oh, shot. Oh, definitely. <laughs> by a long shot. Tales of Hearts is awesome. Yeah, Tales of Hearts is still wonderful. The DS version was very good. Um, so. Still not a huge fan of, fan of the Vita version. I still yeah, maintain I've the Vita version is but. I mean, even even with the extra story to include two new characters, or one and a half new characters, <laughs> because technically one of them already existed in the DS game, he just wasn't recruitable. Mm -hmm. Um... just diminished in almost every other way. But yeah. We'll talk, talk about a different space flea from not actually nowhere. Because, <laughs> I mean, in that game, the one of the moons was actually a soul-devouring flower. Yeah. You just have to expect that from the moon at some point. Yeah. A soul-devouring flower that had actually um, drained all life from the other moon, which was actually the primary planet around which your planet circled. I think that's how it was. Yeah. Okay. Do we have any other actual questions, or we? Well, do we have any other more, th any other thoughts on Breath of Fire being terrible?
like I don't even I can't even really work up the ire. Yeah, like that's the problem. It's not. It's not awesome. It's just not. It's not terrible. It's not awesome either. I mean, my my biggest memory from the first games is shooting deer. That's about it. Yeah. (laughs) I think you might be thinking of Oregon Trail. No, you could shoot deer. Um, if you had bow in the front, you could actually shoot deer and get food. The bow was in the second game. Oh well. He's in, no, he's in both because yeah. they share character names across most of them. Oh yeah, I, I'm used to just them sharing uh, Ryu and Nina, but I guess yeah. a few of the others did as well. Yeah, um, I know the first two definitely did. I mean, you had Blue, who was actually the same character in at least three of the games in the series. Yeah, she's the only one that's literally the same person. Yeah. And the the thief guy from the first game, you actually raid his tomb in the second game. Um, and uh, Bo, in the first game, Bo is a wolf man, art, um, like ranger. And in the second game, he's more of a puppy boy with a, a toy crossbow. Yeah. More of a rogue character. But yeah, like... I can't, I can't say I hate Breath of Fire so much as it's just like... There's better games out there. Yeah. yeah, like there's there's no reason to recommend it over something else. So, yeah. Unless you're recom- yeah. unless you're recommending Breath of Fire Five, of course. Yeah, like well, Five carves out a like much more like you can't get this experience elsewhere. So whether you like it or yeah, not, you can't really. There, there's still no other RPG exactly like it. Yeah. It's just that much different. Yeah. I'm trying to think of like any other RPG that has that kind of resource management. And the closest thing I can think of is something like Kadoka, but Kadoka is a less well-made game. I mean, I've known other games with incredibly limited resource management. Mm. Um, I mean, I I've played a survival horror tactical RPG before. Oh yeah, I think you mentioned this at some yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. Mark of the Mermaid. Yeah, that's, yeah, the that, yeah. that's the one that specifically name drops at least five items from the Cthulhu mythos. <laughs> I mean, one of the, one of your recruitable characters is a grad student from Miskatonic University, <laughs> whom whom you rescue right before she gets sacrificed by crazed cultists. Good times. Yeah, but yeah, um, and then, but yeah, that one was. Very, very limited resource management. To the point where you could miss weapons for like five or six maps straight because you didn't know where they were buried. Oh. Yeah, <sighs> yeah nothing, nothing really like the weird ma- ma- uh, mashup of tactical RPG and Doom that mm. was... It was uh, Dragon Quarter. Oh, it's Breath of Fire 5 on my copy. Yeah, yeah. It just dumped it's got, the numbers. It's got nice big New World 5 V on it. Yeah. Like, I remember it was announced in the U.S. as just Breath of Fire 5, but uh, by the time it came out, it was just Breath of Fire Dragon Quarter. I've seen people on the internet try to argue that it's not even a Breath of Fire game, really, because it doesn't have the 5 on it. Yes, Ridiculous. Truly ridiculous claim. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, it's breath of fire. There's not really that much else to say about it. <laughs> yeah. Alright. 
think that's it for the questions. We didn't get anything on Twitter. Um, just understandable. People are busy this time of year, so... Strange how that is. Yeah. So shall we move on to... Let's talk about stuff that happened this year in the world of gaming. Most importantly, Romancing Saga 2. Yay. So I didn't play this on the computer again like it was the first time. (laughs) Nice. The the first time I played this game was on an emulator 17 years ago. (laughs) Yeah. It never Uh, did get a fan translation unlike a lot of its contemporaries. Oh, 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 I can tell you about that. Can you? Oh, yeah, I was active on the GameFAQs boards back when somebody actually attempted it, and I volunteered to help, and I got... I don't have this anymore, but I used to have a copy of the text dump from that game. Oh, man. Oh, dear. Oh, man. Um, whoever the um, whoever it was who actually managed to translate the sucker for the version we're playing now, my hat goes off to them because that was a mess. <laughs> I'm given to understand that the underlying code is complete spaghetti as well. Yes. Uh, it does not surprise me. <laughs> Massively, I mean, you, like you took the pot of spaghetti and you just threw it at the wall. <laughs> Flat. There's a part of me that, like, my heart is warmed by the fact that, like, they've that Kawazu on the his semi-used uh, Saga 25th anniversary Twitter has confirmed that Romancing Saga 3 is also going through this Herculean effort. I am not surprised. But, uh, so I'm. The number of bugs I'm aware of, or bugs and omissions and skip sections from Romancing Saga 3 is not quite as long a list as Romancing Saga 2. And neither of them together could possibly add up to the original Romancing Saga. I've heard that's got some major omissions since the original release. The original release is missing somewhere between one quarter and one third of the actual plot. Oh god. I mean, what, I mean, for an open world RPG with multiple main characters, yes. Um, I mean, it had ten Destiny Stones and it only had seven in the game. <laughs> it's a good indic- indicative. Yeah, and then the Wonderswan version added the Emerald, so it was only missing two. Did the PS2 version add the rest of them back? Or? It had all of them, plus plus several bosses that were intended to put, be put in. Everything that was originally supposed to be in the game that they couldn't fit in because then, or they couldn't get permission to use the expanded memory chips. In the, in the oh, game. yeah. And the only thing that they actually took out was one minor secondary character from Barbara's quest line because she just wasn't really necessary and Barbara didn't have much of a story to begin with. I was playing some of the PS2 version and it's surprisingly like... I'm surprised how much they went to the trouble when they were localizing it. Like it's fully voice acted in a way that like I don't expect all PS2 RPGs to do. Yeah. I mean, I was just... I mean, just imagine walking through a Japanese department store one day and looking up at the the video display with the advertisements of new video games going on and thinking, okay, this looks kind of familiar. Why does it seem familiar? And then the light bulb literally goes off. <laughs> and some, not my you own. gleam. <laughs> oh, crap. I, that's why I know this game. And this is also why I bought it first day with a PlayStation 2. Nice. Yes. But yeah, I bought both of them the first day of release. Wise choice. I yes. think I think 
Romancing Saga was like one of the first games I actually like ordered online. And I've recounted this before, but to complete the trifecta, I found a copy that was in pristine condition condition in a like GameStop for five dollars. Uh, just... It's tragic. Like they they actually gave that game like a solid localization and like yeah, but no I... real otherwise push, and it sold horribly. I, I think I ordered it for. I got it for like 20 bucks, ordered it online, and I'm pretty sure it was that price like two weeks after release. It's also that price uh, now. <laughs> yeah. That is just sad. That game deserves better. I've got some plans for uh, for Romancing Saga. But, uh, to, to speak of two, the one that just came out on everything with a screen. Yes, yes. almost literally, which was... Surprising. Uh, obviously, I was incredibly enthused that it's just like, no, it's coming out on everything. It's coming yeah. out. On, it came out on Xbox One. <laughs> really? Yeah. 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 Well, I, I, mean, I guess if they had got a version that works on Steam, that would work on Xbox One. Yeah, Steam, PS4, Xbox One, PS Vita, Switch, all came out in the U.S. on the same day. Cool. And uh, it's a. It's a wonderful game and a really fascinating game. Oh yes. Oh, uh, I'm just having fun looking at, um, reading through the localization, pointing out p- parts where I know they made a mistake, and <laughs> um, and just really enjoying going through party members like their tacos on a Tuesday. <laughs> I, 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 my. My total party kill count is currently at 14. Oh, dear lord. Plus, I've placed with at least three emperors through direct LP loss. Oh, wow. Um, I completely messed up the Cumberland scenario because I just didn't care about properly preparing and making sure I was strong enough to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got to finish it off on the bad scenario. Um, I think I might have accidentally canceled out the mermaid quest. I'm not sure how that happened. And I'm trying to remember if it's normal for the West Dungeon in the su- in the Southern Mountain area to suddenly disappear. <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping it comes back because otherwise there's no way I'm going to be able to recruit the irises later on. Oh. Because I need an item from that cave. Mm-hmm. I'd really like to get the amethyst axe out of it too. It's one of those things like just some of the things you just mentioned are things that like I really want to like ramble about because it's like the quest system and like the the way that quests interact with how you re- attempt to resolve them is so ahead of its time for any RPG like this. Uh, unfortunately, only a few quests actually have that many factors to um, to deal with. Mm-hmm. Cumberland's the Cumberland is like the granddaddy of them all, but um, like the second volcano scenario <laughs> um, there are there are two trophies on steam directly connected to the second volcano scenario and they are not mutually inclusive <laughs> oh man and so I've already had I already have plans on exactly when to save the game so I can get both of them in one go nice yeah but yeah Cumberland uh, wheels have you done Cumberland no it's a it's a really neat scenario just because like there are a lot of ways for that to go wrong. <laughs> as soon as you get in there and talk to the king, talk to every, um, talk to the two different crusader leaders and the king, you do not leave that country for the rest of the scenario. Oh wow! <laughs> do not like, do not do not. You take, have the option to, but don't. 
that. Okay. You could, okay. You could take the boat out of the West Port and go back home. You could accidentally go through the doors of the Great Wall and into the savannah. Or the game the does at least warn you that you're about to do that. But yes. Um, but yes, if you leave the country, it automatically fails the quest, and you go into rebellion mode. And that's uh, that also means if you're if you get a party wipe there, it's uh, counts that as leaving. That's what <laughs> happened. That's what happened to me. I was evacuating Prince Thomas, and it got wiped. Oh yeah, that's a tough section. There's a lot of there's a lot yes. of stuff there. Yes, I really should have just been running away, but I thought you know what? I'll keep trying. I'll keep trying. Oh, ogres! <laughs> ah. First hit, they took out my emperor. You cannot, oh. you cannot yeah. run away without an order to retreat from the emperor. Yeah. Oh man, I, I really love like the idea that like you get different emperors and like that's how you get new formations. Like they bring like the air that you bring if they're like from another uh, part of the world, they'll bring new formations with them. <laughs> it's like, oh, this is what we do in my country. <laughs> yep. Uh. Like, the game is just full of this. Like, w one thing that I appreciate is the way that Romantic Saga 2 has, like, this really impermanent idea of, like, you, you mentioned characters just sort of going out like tacos on a Tuesday, and it's just like, yeah, no, like, you, you have to get used to losing people and entire parties. Like, um, when, I, when I did the. Um, we actually do have a review for this game on RP Gamer from several years ago, in fact. <laughs> Which is still 100% true, even with the addition of extra material in this new version. Um, but the comment I made was, well, first of all, there is, I mean, aside from the very beginning and very end of the game, there's no actual penalty for a total party wipeout. So the developers decided to take this opportunity to make the game as hard as possible. <laughs> yeah. Um, that, um, I mean, monsters that don't actually look like they should be that dangerous can potentially let loose with a hit-everything-on-screen-wipe-out attack. Especially yeah. in the mid to late part of the game. And it's also just the case that, like, because of the way the game's set up, like, the game will go all out every battle, because if you survive the fight, you're back to strength, so... Yeah. Except for... Um, Except for your... Points and skill points, but you know what? That's... Yeah. Not that useful. You're gonna get wiped anyway, so... Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you're going to get wiped. You are. Oh, no, but you're going to get wiped. Quite a few times. You have no, no evidence that you have no evidence that that has happened and I have reset the game to a previous save. No evidence whatsoever. Like sometimes that makes sense. Like if you want to get Cumberland right, you have to do that sometimes. Well, I guess yeah. this, this is why I'm not that far in cuz uh I refuse I refuse to lose this first, well, not first emperor, but the 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 immediate second emperor Gerard yes Gerard? I have not lost him yet yeah like the game oh. is very clear about like impermanence is baked into the game like no matter how successful an emperor is eventually time will take them yeah oh and not just time you can lose emperors to two other ways besides having them killed or yeah. a generation gap yeah what, one of them is kind of romantic. The other one is you do something really bad and the inheritance magic punishes you for it. <laughs> but, but even better, if you do this on the last emperor, which you, oh, shouldn't, no. you, you shouldn't, but you can, 
If you do it on the last emperor, your next immediate party member will come, will rush in and knock you out of the way and sacrifice himself instead of you. See what you've done. See what you've done. <laughs> yes. I do appreciate, though, that apparently if you if you somehow, like, save scummed or beat your head against the game or just were that lucky or good at it, you can beat the game without ever actually reaching the last emperor. True. I, I noticed that there was a trophy for that. I've never actually huh. managed that, so um, I'm not sure if I bother. Uh, yeah, it's like it's definitely not something you should attempt on your first attempt because it would require a lot of like save scumming and careful planning. But either that or just new game plus because now oh, you, can, true. you can take all of your levels and experience and I guess items too. I'm not quite sure what back to the beginning. Yeah, and I think you can do that just about any time. But yes, you can actually. I was very tempted to do it at the very within the first hour of the game multiple times. Just so I could get multiple Silmon rings, but I decided, you know what, I'm just gonna wing it the normal way. I was gonna say, there's also, like, one of those things that, like, Saga does that's, like, impossible to replicate in a more normal game is, like, that time, like, those times where you will be in a real bad situation, and, like, your character will spark something that's so powerful that it gets you out. Oh, yeah. So, um, the mermaid quest. Um, you have to get three items for the potion to go visit mm -hmm. the mermaid. And one of them is an eggshell from the savannah, mm -hmm. which doesn't sound too bad, except the bird's nest where you can find it is under attack by a pyrohydra, oh. which is about three or four monster ranks above where I was at at that point of the game. I am amazed that I beat it. <laughs> I had two characters down, one of them permanently down, two more... Two more at death's door, and it died. <laughs> I'm like, oh, man. yes. Like, I was at that situation at the end of Cumberland, because, like, I was not doing... I was not doing enough to take out, like, the bo like the boss of that scenario. And my martial artist sparked, like, an attack that did, like, three times as much as anything else. And I was just like, oh... So which one was it? The uh, oh, I can't remember what the name of machine gun jab was in English, but yeah, let me pull my let me pull my switch out and see if I can't get its name. Yeah, because there were there were several martial arts techniques that they completely changed the names of. Mm -hmm. Like um, there was one called capoeira kick in Engl in Japanese. Yeah. That they actually changed to a capoeira technique name. Yeah, which is probably a decent localization choice. I was I was quite surprised and like, oh, cool. Yeah. So yeah, I'm pulling this up so that I can see what that technique was because like he's obviously gone, but the technique is now in the dojo, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. Oh yeah, for the midpoint in the game, I lost so many characters so often that when I finally did um, manage a generation shift, mm -hmm. um, my technique lists in the dojo doubled or tripled. Because oh, I lost man. so many techniques to um, to people getting wiped out. And as soon as the generation shift happens, they're all in the dojo. Yeah, that's one of those things that's interesting. It's like a character will spark something, and like they won't have any way... You won't have a way to get it back once they die, until the next generation where it just goes in the list. Yeah. I mean, you can always spark it again. Yeah, yeah. There were a couple of story techniques that I sparked like on four different people, sequentially. Mm. <laughs> 
It was a uh, Mea Lua Campasso. Uh, yep, that would be the Capoeira kick. And it's crazy powerful, given the point in the game. I would yes, say. it is. And it's just like, this completely turns the tide of that battle. <laughs> oh, for fun, did you ever try a direct assault on Douglas Castle in the Cumberland scenario? I tried it, uh, and it, uh, oh, well, that could have been, <laughs> that could have gone better. Uh, that, uh, what, which one is that? Is that the Spriggan? Yeah, I is? think that's the Spriggan. Yeah, um, if you've already, if you've already ended up in the worst case scenario for Cumberland, it's worth it just to keep trying for that guy because he, um, he's the only other monster besides Dantarg that uses Grand Slam. Ah. And if you can, if you can learn the evasion technique for that from him... It makes the Dantarg fight much later on a lot easier. Oh, yeah. It's one of those things that I really like about the game. It's just like one of those animation flourishes that the game. The game actually has a lot of little animation flourishes for a game of this vintage. So like, I love the the sort of it became saga tradition. It's at the very least also in Frontier, but like this like spin that characters do first when they're highlighted to have a new move and then when they go into their stance to do a move they have this little, weird little spin that's a really cute thing that they do but uh they also do that when they evade they jump out of the way and they spin a little bit to show that they're using an evasion technique rather than just mi oh. it missing yeah i mean every single every single character sprite in the game has i think between eight and a dozen different uh poses yeah, it's really, I, I, like, they're really animated for this period. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, considering the game came between Final Fantasies 4 and 5, <laughs> and, and it has a color, the original game has a color palette closer to 4, but um, it completely avoids the super deformed look. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a beautiful little game, and it has a fantastic soundtrack. Yes, it does. Speaking of which, um, so Wheels, have you gotten a package in your mail yet? I have not, sadly. Oh, too bad, because there are four CDs burned in there. Ooh! Yep. Excellent. And, what, and, guess, and guess which one, which is the one that does not have any la um, name uh, written on it? Uh, guessing it's a Romancing Saga 2 soundtrack? Yes, it is. Yes. Yes. Excellent. Yeah, it's, it's a really fantastic, unique little game that, uh, like, is very atypical of structure for its time as well. Just for like, uh, David, David, mm -hmm. uh, if you have it, um, have you gone through the Nazelle area yet? I don't think I've done that yet. Uh, the tundra? No, no. Well, um, if you, um, if you get down there through through Ludon Heights, mm -hmm. through the Ludon Heightlands later on. And you cross the strait over to the south Nazelle area. There's a um, there's a side dungeon called um, the Jellid Dungeon, mm -hmm. and you will almost certainly not be able to beat the, the boss at the end. Mm -hmm. But right before the boss at the end, you can get a really nice bow, which oh. I really recommend. Before mm -hmm. you go on to take out some of the other mid-game challenges, mm -hmm. because the specialty technique that you can spark on this bow. Mm -hmm. um, the, the bow is called the Grim Reaper. Uh, the Japanese name for its special technique is Reign of Death. <laughs> the English translation is Execution Arrows. It is <laughs> seven technique points to potentially kill everything that is not already dead on screen. 
So this thing will work on fairies, on certain some spirit types, plants, monsters, um, plants, beasts, snakes, insects, some demons, um, and everything that it cannot kill, exorcism can. Oh. So did you get the exorcist blade? Uh, yes. Have you sparked that technique yet? I don't think I've sparked that yet. I should work on that. Oh, just, um, yeah, just give it to a, a great sword user, even though it's weaker than what they probably have, and just have them keep practicing with it, because that, yeah. that, that one is four points to deal exorcism damage to every demon and undead on screen. Oh, man. To the tune of, I mean, first time I managed to spark it, it was like 900-something damage when everyone was doing <sighs> two most techniques. I've got it up to 1,500 damage now. Or everything affected. Oh man. Yes. But yeah, that reminds me that like you really do want to make use of those. Uh, any weapons with names tend to have. Uh, yeah. Unfortunately, unfortunately, recently in the Rook Bouquet battle, um, one of my guys got charmed and he used the final strike ability on the Worm Slayer. Oh. Um, <laughs> So, no more Worm Slayer, but I wasn't... I mean, Swarm is a fun ability to use, but it's not really necessary. I'm just mm. glad that he didn't use the Final Strike ability on the Splasher. Do you, um, have, you, have you heard of the Splasher? No, I don't think I've heard of that one. Um, it's in one... It's in the second dungeon in South uh, North Nizel, the Tundra mm. area. And... Obviously, you do not want to ever use Final Strike, because its special ability is called Dissolve. Yeah... Like, I'm presuming Jap that it just breaks whatever you're using. The Japanese translation was molecular disintegration. <laughs> if, if you translated the kanji properly. It will, I um, mean, it's got a fairly high miss rate, but if it connects, it will destroy anything that does not specifically have death protection in its program. <laughs> so you can use it to destroy anything that else that could be instant death, plus a lot of undead and constructs. Hmm. Yeah. That's kind of nuts. Yeah. But, uh... Yeah, that's, uh... Yeah, the thing is, I know where all of these special weapons are, <laughs> which is why I'm kind of annoyed that that one dungeon closed up, because I really need to get the amethyst axe from there. Yeah. Because, um... That one is the one that gives you phantom fighter. Hmm. Or, is that that one or the tourmaline axe? One of the two. I'm going to have to double check. I'm, I'm sure it's in that dungeon, though. Yeah. So, um, tr yeah, Phantom Fighter is part of my final boss strategy, so I kind of really want it. <laughs> because it does fun combos with, boost, um, with, uh, uh, with some of the buff spells. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> okay. What a game. Yes. I'm also tempted to um, work my way up to getting Wraith form in the Dark Spells list, just to see if that massive glitch still exists in the game. Which glitch is this? Don't think I've heard of this. Um, well, if it's this is one of the most massive glitches in the game, but it's really hard to work into. Um, mm -hmm. Basically, um, it's possible with a, a lot of magic swapping around to get a character with Wraith form and only spells which cannot be used with Wraith form. Hmm. Or for reference, Wraith form temporarily changes the character 
um, they cost one LP, mm-hmm. not magic points. It costs yeah. LP, and when you use it, that character becomes a lich for the rest of the battle, <laughs> a ring wraith, basically. Mm-hmm. And they can only use magic, but they're using it for like practically free and massively boosted. Ah. Uh-huh. However, it cannot use healing magic. Healing magic cast on it will kill it. <laughs> um, a few other things. It is immune to physical damage. Mm-hmm. Including several magic spells which uh, which cause physical damage. Mm-hmm. Um, but, as I said, it's possible to set it up so that when you cast Wraith Form, you end up with a character who has no usable spells. <laughs> and that that just drives the game insane. I can only imagine how it reacts. Because it comes up with an empty list of what it can do. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, yeah, it seems like it would... I would hope they would have some sort of failsafe for that, but... Yeah, um... Yeah, that, that's the biggie. Um, let's see, the, the Berserk... Um, the Berserk ability for martial arts was also glitched in weird ways. Hmm. I actually... I only ever managed to learn it once in, like, 12 playthroughs of the game. Wow. But it doesn't... Sh- um, you know how most of the techniques show the icon? Of yeah. The act type in front of the name? This one showed a very glitched part of the world map. <laughs> a small square, and it was the only technique in the game that you cannot get. Um, you cannot teach to others. Hmm. It does not end up in the dojo. Huh. However, I ended up with it on my emperor, so I just kept it on there for a while. Yeah. See what else? Um, other good weapons to look out for. There's the love omen in the Messina mines, or rod omen in English translation. Um, that's uh, that's like better than the second or third level rapier that you get in the game. Hmm. And it has the mad biter ability. Hmm. Uh, that's the one that it says confused, but what it's really doing is it's casting berserk so the enemy cannot use techniques or spells. Oh, okay, that's what that was. Okay. Yes. If you have a chance to... Actually, you do have a chance to grab that one before Cumberland. I really recommend it. <laughs> um, other than that... Um, oh, I think it all... Actually, I can't remember if Marionette is connected to that one or not. May not be. Okay. Um, yeah, there's just a lot of good, good weapons to try out. There's a lot to find in the game. <laughs> that there is. That there is. Yeah, yeah. It's, open, it's open in a way a lot of its contemporaries aren't, which is really fascinating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's crazy to think that this, just when this game originally came came out, and just comparing it to some of the other stuff that, that came out at the same time. I think it's 93 originally? Yes, 92, I think. 92 or 93. Yeah, one of those two. As I said, somewhere between Final Fantasy 4 and Final Fantasy 5. Yeah, and just absolutely one of the, like, completely outside the box of what anyone was doing at that time. Yeah, I'm trying to think of even, like, PC RPGs. I don't think we're even going that that crazy. I mean, technically Romancing Saga 1 was even crazier, but (laughs) it suffered for it, because they just couldn't put all of the game into the game. This is something I wanted to ask you to verify. Did Romancing Saga 2 introduce life points as a concept? Technically... Final Fantasy Legend did. 
Oh, true, true, true. Because it had the hearts. Mm. Romancing Saga 2 brought it back. Yeah, okay. And made it better and made it more variable. Yeah. Because, like, characters will have wildly varying amounts. I feel like emperors tend to have more, but... No, I mean, emperors will have as many as the character does that they... True enough, true enough. Um, but, I yeah, guess I've just been lucky usually, recently. <laughs> yeah. Just the more physical characters with the higher constitution scores will usually have more. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is one East Guard samurai character who... I mean, all, all of the samurais are named after famous, like, Sengoku period samurai. Yeah. And they have ex- they have so- secondary traits that are somehow linked to the char- the people that they're based on. So, and I have no idea why, but this one samurai has one LP. <laughs> Something. It's the one that uh, Miyamoto Musashi beat in the head with an oar. Yeah. However, Coppelia. You mm. you can only get Coppelia once in the game, or you can only recruit her once in the game, but she's available for a very long time. Mm-hmm. She's. She is an animated ballerina doll. That's amazing. She is. She's actually <laughs> named after an opera from the 19th century about a ball or that that features a man who falls in love with a lifelike mannequin of a ballerina, and his fiance impersonates the, the mannequin and starts dancing to try and get him to, I know, snap out of it. I guess. But yeah. So the character of the game is an animated ballerina mannequin. With 99 LP. Uh. Nine life points and basic ability in every single possible martial art or weapons skill and two martial arts abilities that you can't get anywhere else. Wow. Plus, there's a trophy uh, on Steam for if you can actually make her the Emperor. (laughs) You gotta want it. Well, the, the easiest way is just to get her in the party, go into the dragon formation, and make sure that your emperor is a magician. Hmm. And you will suffer um, life um, point death really fast. <laughs> so. There's ways to do it, but again, yeah. you gotta want it. But basically, if your emperor dies but the rest of the party is still alive, you can choose one of them to be the next emperor. Oh. So. I hadn't experienced that yet, so that's interesting. Twice so far, or three times so far. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I've also been diving into the maze of memory. Oh yeah, that's that's new content, isn't it? Yeah, it's completely optional. Um, the I'm not quite sure how far down these levels go, but each one has a different rank of of enemy difficulty. Yeah, I've heard that it doesn't interact with battle rank the same way every other fight in the game does. No. So, which is good, but um, once you get down to level 10, you start finding dragons. <laughs> not not the cute little dragons, the really big ones. <laughs> uh, you know, for super players. Yes. Oh, no, I mean, you're going to be beating up those dragons by the end of the game anyway. Just not at the point of the game where I found them. <laughs> you can get into the maze of memory long before. Uh... Yeah. That's uh... yeah. It's also how you get at least one new formation and two new party members. Hmm. So yeah, well uh, if, you, if you have to start, try the red one first. That's the one with the ninja. 
<laughs> Duly noted. Yes. I was gonna say, but uh, whereas the, the green labyrinth is the one that gives you the goblin, um, the goblin formation scroll. Hmm. What I was going to say was, uh, since you would be the knowledgeable one on this, like, what are your opinions of, like, the Romancing Saga games as a whole, like, 1, 2, and 3, comparatively? Romancing Saga games? Yeah. Um, 3 has the best story by far. I mean, that's not saying much. But it's also, it's very focused. Um, so even though you start in two or three different locations, depending on who you choose as your main character. Yeah, because that one has eight, I think. Yeah, it has eight main characters, however, four of them start in the same inn. And <laughs> a fifth one joins them later. So, um, so technically, you, um, four of the main characters start in one spot, three start in another spot, and, or maybe it's five in one spot and three in another spot. But, um, yeah, certain characters have extra... Um, extra content that makes their playthrough a bit different, mm -hmm. but it's still very much the same sort of the same story going through. Mm. Whereas Romancing Saga, everyone ends up on the same boss at the end, but it's like you're playing seven different, seven very different D and D campaigns, plus <laughs> one an eighth character who can just do whatever you want. The why and the how they got there is very different. <laughs> insanely different um also um oh i don't remember if i still have it but i, I definitely used to own the um, the ultimate bible works for romancing saga Minstrel oh, the one mm. with the, the the one with the eight novellas in the back oh that's amazing and the sheet music for the opening theme song um but so obviously i really like this one but <laughs> mythology for Romancing Saga is insane. Um, I mean, more than anything else, you can definitely see that this is probably Kawazu's personal advanced Dungeons & Dragons game. Oh, for sure. I mean, like this, there's I obvious mean, tabletop roots to a lot of these, but that one in particular. Yeah, I mean, Romancing Saga 2 a bit as well, but Romancing Saga 1, you had special named um, items that connected back to deities that you never actually interacted with because they left the world after a Titanomachy event. Um, you have you have the current head of the Pantheon being an Ursula K. Le Guin I'm, I'm not joking on this because back during the great first Great War of the Gods when it was the entire Pantheon against the Goddess of Darkness and she was almost on the ropes and so she needed an ally so she took a she cut her left hand and let a drop of blood fall, and from that was born the god of light. Mm -hmm. So literally, light is the left hand of darkness. <laughs> uh, but that's one of those things, like the the very D and D style of it. It's one of those things that I really like about the romancing games. Is that yes. like he like Kawazu will put a lot of detail in the world that the game isn't afraid to not let you know about. Yes. I mean, that's... If you had to sum up the entire charm point of every Saga game plus the, um, the two from Furyu, it's that somebody out there really knows how to put together a world to adventure through. 
Mm-hmm. A story, maybe not as much, but <laughs> a world or multiple worlds, definitely. Yeah. And that's, like, you don't see that much in a lot of games, so, like, it, it really does count for something. And when you do, it's not always done very well. Witness Final Fantasy thirteen. <laughs> I mean, yeah, my, my, initial, my initial view of that game was actually very positive in that it felt like I was playing through a novel. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, it doesn't have the narrative text to support a lot of the information that you need to understand. Mm-hmm. A lot of 13 that's sort of buried in codices and such. Yeah. I mean, the way, the way 13 was organized, it would have really worked much better as a fantasy novel. You can split it into chapters, I mean. I mean even beyond that, just the way the, the plot was organized, the way it went mm-hmm. from one group to the next, it, yeah. would, it would have worked so much better in a different format besides interactive. Yeah. So. Like, that's, like Losing that uh, personal character continuity can be a lot more damaging to an RPG than it can to a like a more literally linear narrative. And not just that, because I mean, Final Fantasy VI did something similar. Mm-hmm. It's just that Final Fantasy VI, you knew what the battle system was going all the way through. Yeah. Say Final Fantasy Thirteen, it just took so long to get there. Yeah. So a whole lot of build-up. Yeah, I appreciate. Uh, I, ju- I just appreciate to to dip back into Saga. I just appreciate that, like some of these old games like still an active effort is being made to officially release them yes and I hope we don't entirely miss out on Scarlet Grace even though there's very little chance of us getting yeah. that unless it's ported to something else hmm. well as as far as like the older games being re-released I wonder how much of that is like the effective retro styled indie games being successful and I well I'm sure that has something to do with it I think so yeah. Companies being yeah. like, oh, well, they, they, this indie old game sold well, so we can just throw out some of these old games. Well, I mean, not have to probably, actually develop anything. It was probably a bigger factor in the American release. That's true. Yeah. Saga games still have a niche cult following in this country. Mm. Um, I can send you the link later, but I think I, I know I shared it in Japandemonium once, where it was a college choral group or orchestral group doing a medley of Romancing Saga 3 with, <laughs> <That's awesome. laughs> with, um, with some pageantry and acting. That's awesome. And so they actually they had some char- people, some members of the choir, getting up on stage dressed in, in character and having a battle and actually holding up signs that said whatever the attack was that they were going to do, like, it was, <laughs> like it was, um, they're screaming the name or you know, the usual shouting the name thing. They actually had a sign that they held up to show what it was. I think it was Tomahawk. And then they were throwing, like, large um, kitchen paper rolls. I choose to believe that at some point someone also had to hold up a, uh, hold a, light, up a light, bulb. light bulb. I was going to say. <laughs> yes, actually, I think they may have done that. That's awesome. Um, I mean, they also, have you actually played Romancing Saga 3? No, I have yeah. not. I have played, okay, well, in, I've played well, the terrible fan be, translation. <laughs> Oh. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, there's a there's an NPC in that game who is a self-styled mad, um, world's most beautiful mad scientist. <laughs> and so, whenever she lays out plans or uh, for whatever she's requesting you to do, 
which is usually to help take out one of her escaped lab experiments, um, she has to explain it while having a spotlight down on her and she's singing and dancing to do it. And she always takes like three twirls more than is absolutely necessary for the music. So the music has to stop and to continue again and stop. <laughs> they actually, so for this performance I was talking about, they actually had a character dressed as the professor doing that for that second. <laughs> <sighs> but it's nice to see the series get a bit of a new lease on life in the U.S., even in this small way. Yes. Well, spread the love, spread the love. Well, we and are kidding. someone port port unlimited saga to the switch, you cowards. Oh, unlimited saga. Yes. <laughs> um, we 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 don't want them to kill the series again. <laughs> okay, just port the PS2 romancing saga to everything with a screen. Yes, please. Yes, yes, please, yes, please. Uh, yeah. I was, I've been puttering around with that game, and I spent a while like trying to think, what character do I play as first? And then I, all I could think was, like, well, they have numbers on them. Maybe there's a reason for that. I'll just play number one first. <laughs> number one, Albert? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, he is the closest thing the game has to a principal protagonist. Mm -hmm. Just because his plot starts with the creation or the release of a lot of evil, and it ends at the same spot. Mm. So um, the final the final dungeon it can be entered from his from what's left of his home castle. Ah, uh, so he has like a nice bookend. Yeah. So yeah, everything that happens at the start of his story, with the the crazy red mage and everything, mm -hmm. that links back to the final dungeon. Ah. Uh, but yeah, he he seems like it was a a solid choice to like literally label him number one. But uh, I messed around with a few of the others, and it's like you get into some of them, like Gray, who you start out with. Start if you start with him, he's just like, oh, he went to an island. Now do something, whatever. <laughs> oh, not just to an island. He has to go get something from the dinosaur dens, and if you take one of those eggs, <laughs> yeah, those dinosaurs. You're meant to run around them. <laughs> yes, but I I did it a few times. Stole an egg and then ran like hell from the Triceratops. <laughs> Every Triceratops on the island, all the way back to the not really Okinawa town. <laughs> it, oh man, I do like that game. Does have some just general friendliness, but some of the other ones don't. Just by virtue of like, when you first start a game, like the game will have characters that you can talk to, and they'll explain like just giant. Like for, again for grade, like there's a you talk to a kid right at the beginning and he's just like, here is a list of every of like half the subsystems in the game so you at least know and it's like, yeah. also a personal recommendation like the character the tutorial character literally recommends maybe don't try smithing your weapons yet because you want to take advantage of the fact that they'll heal at it when you take a rest of the end. <laughs> yeah. So there's some useful stuff in there. Like the game is about as friendly as Saga gets, which is to say, not super friendly, but friendlier. Yes, but it's yeah, it's got character everywhere. So that's that's a wonderful thing, and I I'll probably have more to rant about that as time goes by. And it's also wonderful to see that 
the series actually has a spiritual successor in, from a different company. Yeah, like I'm mad pumped for the. I'm so. I'm still kind of shocked that the Alliance Live is getting localized. I yeah, I actually just uh, fired up the Japanese demo of that the other day, on a whim, and mm-hmm. was pleasantly surprised by how close it felt to uh, uh, Legend of Legacy. So I'm even more pumped for it. Yeah, um, again, if I had to really describe Alliance Live again, it's like um, like how the entire saga series is descended from Final Fantasy II in some way. Mm-hmm. Well, so is Alliance Alive in a slightly different direction. Hmm. It, it's like, again, imagine if Final Fantasy II dictated the direction the series took instead of Final Fantasy III. Hmm. And the end result would be something like the Alliance Alive. Interesting. Because in many ways, especially the plotting and the pacing, it feels much more like a Final Fantasy game than a saga game. Combat yeah. is all the way through. Um, but, yeah. It, it is much more like something from Final Fantasy in the, just the way it works in a lot of ways. So it's like a Final Fantasy with more of a saga battle system and such. It's Final Fantasy 2 Redux times 50. Sounds good to me. It, st- it still amuses me to some extent that like this is the game that finally lured back the uh, the writer of the first couple Suicodens. Oh, he's part of the scenario. I f- keep forgetting he was involved with this. That would explain some of the story. Yeah. <laughs> I'll consider that an endorsement. <laughs> well, the thing is, I'm, I'm pretty sure I missed some major parts of the story by not taking on certain optional bosses when I could. Ah. Um, so, however, some of the things that were hinted at mm-hmm. for the story implies that the official line that the daemons are giving the, the huma- um, all of humanity for what happened a thousand mm-hmm. years ago is a complete lie. Ah. <laughs> and demons don't und- don't realize this either. Ah. Mm. So, I Why? should really just play through that again and see what... Why isn't this out in English yet? <laughs> Damn it. Not soon. Not soon enough. should be happy that we're getting it at all. There was a very good chance we would not get this. Uh, but, yeah... Uh, say very it's it's nice to it's nice to see saga and its various like spiritual successors find some measure of success mm-hmm. scarlet grace come on port it to something that'll be released <laughs> scarlet switch scarlet anything like scarlet do it, yeah, like, yeah do it like do what they did last time and ported to everything with a screen. I also kind of just want to be able to play Saga Frontier on a portable without having to either play the Japanese version on PSP or play a play it on something hacked. My love of Saga Frontier is difficult to justify, but I don't think it's difficult to justify. It's quirky and weird, and it's got something for everybody. Yeah, it's yeah. not. It's not perfect, but it's fun. Like part of the thing is that, like, it, it kind of goes back to the thing we were talking about, Breath of Fire, where like 
there's nothing wrong with it, but there's no reason to recommend it. Whereas, like, Saga Frontier, oh, yeah, there are things wrong with it, but nothing else does what it does. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, so true. Like, kind oh, of the... Speaking which, Dream Super Combo. Hmm? Dream Super Combo. What is Dream Super Combo? <laughs> oh, oh, You like oh. Saga Frontier and you don't remember Dream Super Combo. <laughs> oh, my brain is dead right now, dude. <laughs> yeah, the, the specific combination of martial arts techniques, which if you have them all in one person, you get an extra technique. Yeah, yeah. That does all of them in a row. Yeah, and yeah. There is a character in The Alliance Alive who learns a special technique just for him that looks a lot like Dream Super Combo. Oh, my oh, God. And he's an optional character. Be sure to grab him. He's the penguin. Well, I mean, well, I anyway. penguin. Yes, he's the penguin, and the ability is penguin madness. <laughs> I mean, so. he's got he's got like five specific abilities. He, he's got like flipper slap, penguin dance, ha- like happy dance, um, penguin madness, rocket headbutt, and pinball something or other. Which is the headbutt ability on steroids. It hits everything. Yes. Get the penguin. He is absolutely not required for the story. You will love him anyway. (laughs) Well, he's already high on my list. Yes. Yeah, well, my failure to immediately recognize Dream Super Combo means that I need to play Saga Frontier again. (laughs) Yes, you do. Yeah, we should go through with that cool idea you had. Yeah, it was a great idea, and I'm not sure if we want to talk about it much on air. I I think we can without revealing our plans. Basically, <laughs> uh, basically, we were going to st- do some streaming of Saga Frontier and take turns with the different characters. Oh should man, should be a lot of fun. Think think of all the terrible things that will happen. Who has to play as Riki? <laughs> who has to play as loot and then, oh, oh, God, and then no. do you or do you not a challenge where you beat him without actually um, fighting any single battle in his story <laughs> it's technically possible if you go straight from his hometown to wherever you can get the various robots and then seriously abuse one of the money making techniques to buy a ton of oh that's it's that the are you thinking of the technique where like the game doesn't like calculate the price of gold properly? Well, there's that, but there's also a bug in the scrapyard that lets you accidentally buy really high power stuff for cheap. Ah, uh, either of those work. <laughs> yeah, and so it it is actually possible to get a, together a group of overpowered robots and loot, and take down the final boss <laughs> of this scenario without fighting anything else along the way. Flute, let's be real. You weren't the hero of anything. It was all these robots. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, uh, you have to feel sorry for Loot, though, because, um, I mean, Saga Frontier got almost as much stuff cut as Romancing Saga. Yeah. And, but like 90% of his stuff was cut, and then we completely lost Fuse's storyline. Yeah. I've heard that there was also another like storyline that never got past the planning stages, but I haven't seen corroborating evidence, so I'm not well, sure. Be Fuse or somebody else entirely. Well it was Fuse, but also supposedly another one that never got far enough to even have a character design. Just like a thought that was put forward and then cut before anything really was done with okay. it. Well Fuse I know actually had assets in the game to support his story that were never yeah. used. 
I mean, Fuse is, like, in everyone's storyline, which <laughs> or, I think uh, everyone can recruit available him. Because he gives the shield, um, the shield card um, quest. So mm-hmm. if, you do, if you do the arcane tyro card quest, then you're going to have to meet with him anyway. Yeah. just love like the weird ways the characters intersect in frontier like everyone's got something that they're busy with and all and characters are just like oh this guy's a dick and he doesn't really want to help anyone i love like blue just refuses to help red because his name reminds him of rouge yes oh different challenge finished blue scenario is rouge <laughs> that's a fun one yeah you'll end up with I, someone I, nicer I, at the end anyway like- a lot of people I knew actually preferred to do it that way because they just thought Blue was a dick and they preferred Rouge. They thought he was a much nicer guy. I like that they let you do that. It's just like, oh, yeah, you know. Like, the the point was that one of them would have all the powers. It didn't have to be Blue. Yep. <laughs> and I mean, really, how many people were going to help Blue anyway? Yeah. What a, what a great, such a quirky, flawed gem of a game. Yes. Oh man, and then like Acellus having multiple endings. One of which she became a dominatrix vampire queen. Yeah, you know. Aspirational dreams. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's always it's kind of interesting trying to think of like what do you tell someone to start with when you tell them that they should play Saga Frontier? Not loot. Yeah, definitely not. <laughs> That's about the only thing you can say is not loot. Um, yeah. I would say start with either Acellus or um, what's her name, the model. Um, the one who got framed for the murder of her fiance. Oh yeah, Amelia. Um, yeah, I think Amelia, and she ends up in a Charlie's Angels parody. Yeah, that's a game that like, like it's so unafraid to pursue so many different styles and tones. Yeah. Like I mean, like when I was when I was playing it as a kid, like my first thought was, "Oh man, this character is basically doing like a Power Rangers." Like I wouldn't have known it, was, you know. But it's like you know, it's a Sentai thing. Yeah, more common like, rider, but yeah. Or, yeah, like I wouldn't have known it as common rider at the time, which is why my brain associates mm-hmm. it with Power Rangers. But since it's a singular hero, it is much more common rider. Like, oh, yeah, he's just a tokusatsu hero, and, you know, you screw yourself if you keep using that too much, because it's just like, oh, he doesn't get stats if he's in his hero form, but still. (laughs) And the fact that you cannot use the hero form as long as there is anyone living in your party. Yeah. But if there are any living witnesses, you can't use it. It does have the... uh the, like, cute uh, translation thing that they did where, like, I think it's, like, Shin Al Phoenix in Japan gets translated as Re Al Phoenix in English. Yeah. Which is, you know, at least a clever, cute little bit of translation. Uh, I freaking love Zucker Frontier. <laughs> And I need to, like, I never actually played a lot of Saga Frontier 2. I need to actually give that one a proper go. Shit, it's good. It's also very pretty. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. 
bad. It's a little more. It's obviously a bit more straightforward than Saga Frontier, yeah. but I, I have friends it's, that like. It's they its don't own thing. Like they don't like other Saga games, but they like Saga Frontier too because it is a much more straightforward yeah. game. It's a straightforward game that lets you play scenarios out of chronology. Yeah, you know that's fine. Whatever makes you happy. <laughs> Just like uh, have you played Saga Frontier 2? Not more than like a few hours when it first came out. Okay, just remember everything that you said about heroes and romancing Saga 2. Yeah. Apply that to most weapons in Saga Frontier 2. Those things mm. exist to be broken. Ah. If it has a special name, hold on to it. Maybe it'll carry over. But everything else, just break break it to bits because you can save the bits. Mm. You can't really save money. You can't really save equipment. But the, the chips carry over. Weapons are made to be broken. Yes. And that's one of the major mistakes that a lot of people made when playing that game for the first time. They tried to... They saw, oh, weapons have limited uses. We're going to try and conserve them as much as possible. No, you don't. You get enough You get enough item drops to keep yourself equipped. That's good. Just keep using the things. I'm glad that we've essentially managed to make a sequel to our very early Saga episode. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I remember that. That was a good time. I know we've had at least three major conversations on the series in this forum, and I've done two different backtracks related to the saga. Mm. <laughs> I actually wrote the introductory, um, introductory skit for both of those backtracks. <laughs> nice. What all, did the, what all games did those cover? Um, the first one covered the two Saga Frontiers and a bit of Unlimited, and the second one covered um, the uh, Final Fantasy Legend games plus remakes. Nice. I still need yeah. to play those remakes. Oh, yes, they are wonderful. They are quite good. Especially <laughs> 3. Final Fantasy Legend 3 finally Pinocchioed into being a real Saga game. <laughs> oh, yeah, but not, not just that, but this was the remake where the guys in charge, in an interview, they said, well, for Saga 2, we went in thinking, okay, what what can we keep the same? And for Saga 3, it was like, what can we change? Oh, everything. <laughs> they were right. Like, absolutely <laughs> everything. I mean, the, the primary story is still the same, and it still hits all the same major points on the, the story outline. They just keep adding more stuff in between. Extra stuff. You don't even have to do most of the extra stuff. But you can you like, can try to play it like the old one. Wouldn't work yeah. that well, but you could. Well, I mean, there's there's several there are several side quests in that game that literally have more character development than the original game. <laughs> Just that side quest has more character development than the original game. So. <laughs> And the fact that the secret final um, super boss is a Time Lord. <laughs> I'm not even joking here. He is a Time Lord. You fight him inside his own version of the TARDIS. Uh, well, which I mean, te technically the Talon, the uh, the the thing that looks like the uh, um, like stealth bomber, is technically a TARDIS. Maybe it's still technology. 
it's amazing how much of the original game's plot comes together once you include that one villain. <laughs> As a villain. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of a running theme of uh, a lot of saga games. is too ambitious for the amount of space and budget they were given. I but mean, that might not have been the case for th- Legend 3. Okay, <laughs> Legend 2 actually struck a really good balance by simply not telling a central or having a centralized story but telling everything through other people's problems. Mm-hmm. So, I was going to say Legend 3 never felt all that ambitious at all. Yeah, that was the that was where I was going to yeah. double back. Say maybe not Legend 3. It but. felt like its ambition was to make it as generic Final Fantasy as possible. <laughs> yeah, there was that. And then also, sometimes, like... Also, as goddamn slow as possible. My god. Occasionally the games will dash themselves against the rocks like Unlimited Saga. But, uh... <laughs> I'm officially upset anytime someone capitalizes the G in Unlimited Saga. It's specifically uncapitalized, unlike every other game in the series. I still wanna... I still... I want to love that steaming pile of crap. There is a part of me that is convinced that one day I will, like, I will understand it and achieve some state of nirvana. <laughs> I mean, it's it's just the issue with not understanding a lot of the underlying game mechanics taken to an extreme. Yeah. And also, then, everything's slot machine. Oh, no, I mean, you can guess the slot machines or the, the roulette wheel really easily. Yeah, eventually. But, yeah, uh, it's just everything else. I mean... Magic. Oh dear. Um, <laughs> I once saw like someone try to explain how magic think, is supposed to. I think I had to watch a a two part video tutorial on YouTube to try and figure out magic, and I still didn't understand it after watching. I have videos. seen novels that were shorter than the saga <laughs> than the limited saga walkthrough on Game Facts. I still love the art in the game and like the style that it's going for. It just doesn't doesn't work. I remember uh, trying to figure out like uh, where can I rest? Like how do I heal HP? And finally, I I think I did look in the manual and was like, R three. Why in God's name do you need the freaking R three button in a turn based game? Why? <laughs> Could have just made that a menu option. Uh. Yeah, no, I think us trying to... I think you, me and Wheels, trying to work out how Unlimited Saga works is one of the genesis of our friendship. Yes. (laughs) Like, if my memory serves me correctly? Yes. Uh, uh, I believe we were in some sort of chat and talking about, like, Saga games and Unlimited Saga and think uh everyone lots of people would determine to try and figure it out and we, we all died. we all failed we all dashed yeah. against the rocks <laughs> it's still like it's a, it's like staring at a puzzle where you're not you're sure it's a puzzle but you're not sure how any of the pieces fit together or even like if some of the things you're looking at are pieces well it, but you just feel like you have to solve it. Well, the pieces are really pretty, and there's some awesome music that plays while you're staring at them. And it's got some really beautiful video sequences. Oh, yeah. That game, aesthetically, is on point. 
So, since we're still in Saga, how about the unofficial Saga action RPG, a.k.a. Legend of Mana? I was going to say Vagrant Story is also an unofficial Saga <laughs> action RPG. Uh, but, uh, I should I, probably play Vagrant Story at some point, but okay. I think I like Legend of Mana more, but that's... I absolutely adore Legend of Mana. Uh, such a back crazy in, back game. Back in college, I was playing Legend of Mana, and three of my friends and roommates who were all in the Zen course at the time were just in awe of everything that the Sproutlings said, because it sounded like something that they <laughs> hear the Zendo master said. Oh, Sproutlings. Yes. One of my, one of my favorite. The fact that little Cactus could somehow sum up the essence of every single quest in the game in two-word exclamations. <laughs> Bless you. One of my favorite things, uh, like, one of my favorite bits of trivia is, like, finding games where, like, the English and Japanese titles were acknowledged each other at some stage. And Legend of Mana is one of those, because I think in Japan it's Seiken Densetsu Legend of Mana. Yeah. It's not, actually, it's not actually a numbered segment of the series. Um, yeah. yeah. Which gave Japan a very different expectation for it than the West, where, like, we were like, oh, it must be more like Secret of Mana. And it's like, no, no, that's a spinoff. Well, <laughs> I mean, we never played. We never got Second Dead Setsu Three either, and yeah. that one was fairly different in some ways from Secret of Mana. Mm-hmm. We just had no expectations for what another Mana game looks like, and so yeah. Uh, imagine what it would have been like if we'd gotten Heroes of Mana. Oh God. Dead. Or Children, <sighs> which I mean, we did get both of those eventually, but imagine the disappointment if those had come in before Legend of Mana. Mm. Alternate res- alternate response. Uh, just thinking about uh, imagine how betrayed we'd have felt if uh, Dawn of Mana had been released as Secret of Mana too. Say Kendatsu Four, guys. I actually tried to play that, and uh, it's an action game, almost entirely just action. Yeah. And Havoc Physics. And Havoc Physics. I think I made it through like an hour of that game, and then was like, yeah, I have to I have to sell this. I, I cannot have this in my house. Like, this isn't just, I don't want to play this anymore. This <laughs> it's is like, I need to wash this off. <laughs> this, I need to remove this from my presence. Uh, but, man, Legend of Mana, I'd never beat that game, but it was just a game where I just enjoyed wandering around trying to figure it out and uh, I surely wished I could finish it but you know it never in, really in mattered. In every way it's very pleasant even as you're not solving it. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It, the, the excitement when you finally find like a new a new uh, piece, what, what the hell are they called? Artifacts or something that lets you open up a new location. This mm-hmm. was, was just so cool. And, and the, the feng shui principles involved with Placing the things oh, to make yeah. sure that certain quests were even available. <laughs> ah, so deeply Kawazu. Yeah. So great. The, the combat was a lot of fun, too. Just like the brawler action-y goodness. Uh, I need to go back and play some more of that game. I'm just gonna, I just want like a collection of like all of Kawazu's games on like 
Well, really all of them, but especially like uh, his PS1 oeuvre. Uh, give, him, give him all to me on Switch. Switch, Steam, me, really anything, but ideally everything with a screen. Give me some <laughs> give me some online multiplayer for Legend of Mana on Switch. Oh, that man. would be fun. Being wheels bumbling through that. Uh, and that's another just amazing soundtrack, too. Yeah, and just gorgeous art overall. Who did the uh, soundtrack for that one, actually? Oh, Kyoko Shimomura. Yep. You... Always, you are always in for a good time with that. Yeah. Yeah, that game is just... It's still, I think, one of the, the biggest underappreciated classics of the PS1 era. And it's... Whenever I can, I definitely recommend anyone just, just jump into that game. Just don't worry about finishing it. I know for a lot of RPG players that's hard, but just, you know, go in and enjoy. It's so good. Uh, and we lost Dave. Uh-oh. Oh, really? Yeah. Let's see if I can get him back. Apologies about that. That's alright. Where did I cut out? <laughs> uh, we're just finishing up talking about Legend of Mana and how awesome yeah, it, it is. It's wonderful. <laughs> And I would like to say that it would be absolutely hilarious if it were uh, if it were remade in the current Mana Remake Initiative. <laughs> also, maybe that's a bad idea. <laughs> so, speaking of remakes, I want to play some more of the remake of the original saga sometime soon. Well, yeah, the Wonderswan remake. Yeah, because that. That original game, yes, 2 is better, but that original game still means a lot to me because it's pretty much, I think, what got me into RPGs in a lot of ways. So it's very Legend mm -hmm. 2 is definitely my starter. Nice. Yeah, I think I would have been better off had I started with that one, but I, I was stuck with only one for a while, and uh, so I played it a lot and accidentally saved over my game several times <laughs> so played from the beginning a lot and yeah it's like a 1989 or 90 Game Boy game very ambitious yeah. for that It's yeah. and I always like to just tell this story because it's not really a game that I ever actually wanted it was more like oh I really liked how that Final Fantasy on NES looked, but, you know, we've put the NES away now that we have the Super Nintendo, so can you guys get me that Final Fantasy for Game Boy? Expecting it to be kind of like the same thing, because I don't think I, I actually looked at, like, I'm sure I had Nintendo Powers with screenshots or anything, but I don't think I actually looked at any of that before I played it. Well, I didn't even so have I had Nintendo really no idea. I just had the rental section at Farmore, and it didn't have much for Game Boy. Um. <laughs> so 
so it, it was funny because like Final Fantasy Legend Three is the Final Fantasy I always wanted as a kid, and then I finally got it, and it was like, eh, this sucks. <laughs> All that glitters is not gold. <laughs> yeah. And if anyone was wondering, I never actually played through. I have never actually played through the original NES Final Fantasy. I've played through a remake, but I never, never, I never did get around to actually playing the original Final Fantasy on NES. FF1, yeah. FF1 unadulterated has a lot of programming oh, yeah. sorts of problems. Yeah. <laughs> I still it, love just like oh, you know, intelligence doesn't do anything. <laughs> It's just so weird that so much of like my interest in a lot of RPGs was influenced by looking at that game and not actually playing it. Oh, I think a lot of us from the same generation can sympathize. Yeah. Yeah, just seeing a game can ensnare the mind sometimes. Yeah. So. Well, and freaking, of course, Nintendo Power's and sent sent me the guide to fawn over. It was a devious marketing trick. Yeah. It's just like very oh, Yeah. You can see so much game unfolded in front of you. <laughs> You're a Nintendo Power subscriber. They saw that they just hadn't pushed Dragon Quest hard enough. Alright, so, since this is sort of a year in review, um, what was, what were your guys' favorite game this year? Like, what, uh, whatever... Released this year. As, yes, as far as games that were released this year. Oh, what I actually played that was released this year? Uh, you can just say Romancing Saga 2. Well, obviously, but we've already spent like over an hour talking about that. So you say that as though we don't want to spend another hour talking about it. The games I actually played this year that were new this year. Um, there was Lionheart for Steam. Don't. Um, there was yes, yeah, seriously, don't. Um, there was um, oh, what was it? Uh, Children of Zodiacs, which great game, depressing game. Uh, Seriously, I'm really, really annoyed that somebody else took the review title um, Turn-Based Tragedy before I could use it. Oh. <laughs> Describe this particular game. Um, and uh, what else did I play? Um, Cosmic Star Heroine. Oh, yeah. Which I, uh, I enjoyed it. I wished it was a lot longer. Um, chapters 10 and 11 and 12 were obviously supposed to be a lot longer and more involved than they really were. Um, yeah, I think they ran out of time. Um, and they had too many characters and not enough time to develop them all. Oh. That's a shame. I'm still waiting still on need that. to get around to that one. I'm still waiting on the Vita part. <laughs> I mean, it's a really good game, and if you really like Fantasy Star slash Chrono style, it's great. It's I'm always down for his stuff that uh, is reminiscent of those two. Yeah. Have I played anything else that was actually new to this year? Okay, well, The Alliance Alive, already discussed. 
Uh, <laughs> nothing else that was new in Japan either. Hmm. Um, okay, I don't remember exactly when um, when Shanti came out in Japan. I think um, that was that was early this year, even in English. Yeah, uh, half genie hero. Pirates Curse. Oh, no, Pirates, Pirates Curse. Curse. That okay. was like 2015. In America. <laughs> yeah. But uh, and of course, always any hidden. 2014 gems you found this year. in Japan. Oh. oh wow. Or 3DS, Wii U, PlayStation 4, Xbox One, Windows, and Amazon Fire. Yeah, that's a strange thing to see on any list of video game platforms. Mm. <laughs> but yeah, I, I played that one on 3DS. It was fun. But it's always good to pull out some of the hidden gems you found in a backlog. Oh, that one was not a hidden gem. That one was a, I, yeah. I would like to play this game because I played the original and I want to see how they improved it. Yeah, yeah. But I just mean, like, feel free to bring those up in, in addition to favorite uh, games that you played uh, actually yeah. from this year. Yes, yeah, so uh, if you have any hidden uh, gems. Well, I was kind of busy this year. Um, I mean, I've already discussed Laser Drive in a different... <laughs> I finally finished that one. Yay. Um, uh, my, one of my target games for 2018 is Sword World 2.0 for the third or fourth attempt. I, yeah. I got lost in this dungeon and got eaten by a Gru eventually. It's bound to happen. Gru? Zork? What? Zork? Yeah. It doesn't actually say that, but hey, my torch ran out. Yeah, and, yeah. And something unspecified ate me. <laughs> and you were eaten by copyright. <laughs> Ag- Activision Ag- still technically owns that? Yeah. Probably. But um, you'd have grounds for ignoring it. I mean, they got Graboids and Wild Arms 3. Um, okay. But, um, yeah, Sword World 2.0 is based on Japan's answer to Advanced Dungeons and Dragons. Um. To the point where Record of the Lotus War began oh. as a campaign for the original Sword World. <laughs> um, yeah, because like, if you've never seen Lotus War, it's uh, very, like, it, it feels mean to say generic, but it is very, like, of, of was, a type fantasy. It was, I mean, literally back in the early 80s when they made Sword World, the original, as the first Japanese fantasy RPG on tabletop. The yeah. game that the developers played... Their, one of their favorite campaigns that became Record of Lotus War. Yeah. And yes, a lot it of is anime generic D and D. Back before it was generic, yeah. it's still incredibly generic. It's just like this is the kind of quest you can go on in Sword World. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, I mean they published it as a game book originally. Mm-hmm game book and then manga and then anime so the, the game I have for 2.0 is a game book type DS game That's kind of awesome, it's got a ton of reading it's got lots of text choices and for battles you actually have to roll the dice um, using the stylus oh that's really <laughs> cute 
Do you have to hold the DS like a book? Yes, actually, it's one of two games I've owned that have ver- um, that have horizontal. Oh, however you say it, holding the thing sideways. So, <laughs> only two games I've ever played that do that. Um, what else do I have lined up for next year? Depending on whether or not I actually get through anything, I've still got the. I've still got the DSRPG for Tsubasa Reservoir Chronicle because I was just curious if it's cheap. Hmm. Uh, Tales of the Tempest, I mentioned that. I'm sorry, uh, my condolences. Tales of Innocence, Tales of Innocence. Uh, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. I That's... sold Tales of Tempest for like 10 yen. Oh. Um, my lesser condolences for Tales you were of Innocence. Glad to have, you were glad to have gotten it. <laughs> um, um, what else? Uh, Metabots 8. Just to see if it's better than Metabot Seven, because I really didn't like Seven. I liked Six a lot more. Mm. Um, Hopefully, it can rebound. Yep. For Game Boy Advance, I've got a bunch of. I mean, when I went home last summer, I just brought back a bunch of my old Game Boy Advance RPGs to play through again at some point. Mm-hmm. So eventually, I'm going to do Tactics Advance and Knight of Lotus and oh, yeah. Sword of Mana. Yes. Uh, hey, I, I like that one for a while. We've now got three yeah. distinct. I, I appreciate that there are three distinct versions of original Mana, and you know they. For, different. Well, actually, there was the Game Boy. I'm um, not Game Boy. Um, there was the cell phone version. Oh yeah, there's a cell phone version. I forgot about so that. Got is four. I've three. So. Though um, the the cell phone version was just a graphical upgrade of the original. Hmm. It's, it's neat that they... Cell phone controls, oh dear lord. Oh, okay. Yeah, that, that probably doesn't control that good. <laughs> you could not do the lunge attack with the sword the way that it was set up. Oh, God. But you'd probably hit the turn the game off button. <laughs> Someone didn't think this through. Yeah. So either that or it was, just, it was designed for a different model of phone than the one I played it on. Oh man, I'll never forget. Uh, like just, just phone gaming took off in Japan so much faster than it did in the U.S. Yeah, but it's it's one of those cases where, when when America finally decided to catch up to Japan, um, on the cell phone front, it just jumped a generation instead. <laughs> it's I mean go, going back to 19th century, that's what Prussia did to Britain on the industrial rev, on the industrial revolution. <laughs> We see what you've been doing. We've decided to jump ahead and skip that part. Yeah, because thank you for doing all the stuff wrong first, so we know what not to do. <laughs> Japan did something similar. So that's how England ended up falling behind in the game that it started. Uh, I don't know how to slot Dirge of Cerberus Lost Chapter into a historical allegory, but I feel like it belongs there. I feel like it doesn't uh, belong anywhere. That's <laughs> the point. <laughs> I'm not sure what else I've got, actually. Um, I've got a bunch of stuff on Steam, but I'm not sure how much of it is actually playable on my computer. Mm. Uh, how has uh, The Last Remnant been treating you? The Last Remnant plays more smoothly than the last five games before I played on Steam. That's shocking. <laughs> Um, okay. Okay. Never mind. Cosmic <laughs> Star Heroin. Cosmic Star Heroin. Okay. Fine. Uh. Children of Zodiacs was a bit laggy and buggy. 
Um, Atelier Sophie was, oh dear, um, I was just grateful that the slowdown helped me hit monsters in the field more easily. Um, let's see. Um, five Heroes of Canaan looked really interesting, had an interesting concept. I could not get through the opening section because it was at frames per minute. Frames. <laughs> um, uh, what else? Uh, swap Quest. Su insane lag whenever loading up the quests at the beginning of a map. And this was an iOS hmm. title ported to Steam. Yikes. It is no times laggier than the last remnant. <laughs> this does on remind certain, me of on certain specific sections of the game. It is. Plus, I never, I never managed to get around the bug in the mirror room on the tower that keeps crashing it. This does remind me. I've never properly played Last Remnant, which is kind of a cousin to this whole thing we've been talking it about. Is, yeah. So say yes, it is saga adjacent. Yeah, Kawazu was one of the scenario writers. And, uh, and it I've has similar leveling up schemes. Yeah, it's, it's a, I believe it's Unreal Tournament en Engine th 3. So Yeah, it's, it was, it, when it was announced, it was a big deal because like Square was still in mid-development of FF13, which they had claimed, oh, the crystal tools to power that are going to power all our future games. And then they announced... They, they kind of, like, presaged what was going to happen the rest of the generation, where they were like, oh, well, you know, we'll also make this Unreal Engine 3 game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, like, I, I feel like I need to give that a shot, since it is saga-adjacent. Yep. Yeah, it's a... What else do I have on Steam? Um, oh, yeah, I, I really lucked out last year with the Secret Santa coinciding with the employee of the month and getting and getting the site's owner is my secret Santa. Um, <laughs> so I've got I've got Chroma Squad, I've got Divinity Original Sin. Nice. I've got um, Hyper Light Drifter, Halcyon oh, Six, Chroma Shadow Shadow um, Shadow Run, two different games. Chroma Squad oh, yeah. I really want to check Undertale, out. Undertale I'm not sure who gave me some of these. A couple of the others I got because uh, review copies or other stuff. That's how I got Atelier Sophie, actually, was review code. Nice. And Koei's beautiful, uh, well-maintained PC code. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've got Moero Chronicle on here with oh, the promise to Mac that I will eventually play it. Eventually. <laughs> Um, Isn't that um, uh, what was that called in Japan? Oh, Moero Chronicle in uh, Japan. But um, you're thinking uh, Monster Mon Piece was the first one. Yeah, and uh, Mon thought... Monster Mon Piece, Moero, Moero Chronicle, Moero Crystal, um, whatever the fourth one is, I don't remember. But it was the one where the entire thing, the entire story started. Uh, story started because a thieving little seal pup stole a sacred set of lingerie. <laughs> I remember this only because I kept... It was a sure thing to report on in Pandemonium because I knew nobody else would be touching it. And the last one was called Seven Pirates because you can make a boob joke out of pirates in katakana in Japanese. Oh my god. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, I see how that would happen. <laughs> 
sorry, I just started thinking about like pi. Oh, pirates! Yeah. Yeah. Oh, pirates! Yes. Yep. So eventually, whenever, um, whenever it turns out like I've got a bunch of time to myself again, not and nothing better to play, and my wife won't be here to see it, I will try it. <laughs> Godspeed. Yes. <laughs> Speaking of which, I really need to bring in laundry now, so I'm guessing I'm going to have to say bye in a few minutes. This has okay. been an absolute hoot. Yes. <sighs> yeah. <sighs> okay. Ugh. Oh. So are there any, is there anything that you guys would recommend to me on Steam or anything? On Steam. Um, <sighs> has been Heroes. Has been Heroes, okay. Yeah. It's a uh, roguelike thingy. It's very hard to describe. Um, yeah, what would be the best way to describe it? It's like uh, Binding of Isaac if the combat was played out sort of like Plants vs. Zombies. Since I have not played either of these games, um, I will... Uh, uh, on the bright side, it's, it's not as immediately repulsive as Binding of Isaac. No, it's <laughs> it's extremely strange, but very interesting. Check it out. It's by the guys that did the Trine series, if you ever played any of those. No. Alright, just check it out. It's probably <laughs> cheap. Okay. <laughs> I mean, the title reminds me of an old PSP um, game called um, Deki Sukunai Eutan. Um, which I think I translated as heroic rejects, but has been heroes would probably too. It's a good name. Yeah, that uh, see that particular game. Um, it was like you were you were like a life coach trying to get all of these people to somehow be the heroes that you knew that they could be. Oh, I think you've mentioned this actually. Possibly. Deki Soko Nai Eyutan. Other than that, I also highly recommend Sundered. Okay. That is a pretty cool uh, Metroid-ish title. Okay. With well, like Lovecraftian monsters. Anything that generally requires a lot of more um, reflexive gaming is not good for me because I don't actually have a game controller. Um, so. I've, I've played it on keyboard and it wasn't too bad. Well, I, I tried to play Hyper Light Drifter I think on oh, keyboard yeah. and it did not work very well. Uh, I think this is less twitchy than Hyper Light Drifter. It's got more of a measured pace to it. But... Okay. Maybe yeah, check out some of the trailers. It's got a really nice art style. But I think that's it. that's it as far as I can think of as far as recommendations. Then of course I'm I'm still strongly considering getting myself a Vita for my birthday next week. Ah, so. you should. Yes, and getting so. Scarlet Grace to go with it, and then picking up Metal Max Xeno later. Nice. It, like you it's get the like Scarlet. Are my two major reasons to get it. 
you pick up Scarlet Grace, like, you're invited back immediately to give impressions. <laughs> yep. Oh, it's about 25 bucks at the used game store. That's that bad. Which, it's not too bad for it, maintaining its own value. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's holding on pretty well. I mean, the same game stores have the Alliance Alive at $35. dollars mm-hmm. um, But right now, like, 25 bucks. that's a little... That's, like, right in the middle of where most of the Atelier Vita games are as well. Hmm. You don't see a lot of cheaper vi- uh, Vita games, but um, I guess Airship Q is, like, 500 yen. I should pick that one up, too, sometime. Okay, well, anyway, yes, I need to bring in some futons before the sun goes down. Oh, yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> it's great talking to you. Okay. All right. I'll see you later. See you next year. All right. <laughs> Enjoy Romancing Saga 2. Email me if you actually get lost. Oh. Hear that, or check out the wonderfully almost 100% complete walkthrough on Game Facts. Wink, wink. Okay. <laughs> Thank you for that, sir. <laughs> yep. All right. Oh, have, have you seen that? Yes. Have you noticed the name at the top? Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, you're welcome. <laughs> I just some recognition. It took a while. Okay. And I, I am trying to take notes to make it more accurate to the current release. Yeah, I think... That, that, will, happen, that will happen eventually. I Goals was... For- I was on the last uh, backtrack, and I actually recommended that thank you to anyone playing the game. So, there you go. I looked at it to check something out and didn't even look at who had actually <laughs> written it. <laughs> As I said, this game and I go back 17 years. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking um, at this. Uh... Yeah. Uh, granted, it was under a different username. Yeah, um, like that's why it didn't click with me. Yeah. I was like, yeah, I, I only started using Gaiji Monogatari when I started up with uh, Matt Demers' sock game in Q and A many years ago. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to, wanted to start something different. I was in Japan at the time, so sure, why not? Yeah. Okay. Well, anyway, for real, goodbye. Okay, uh, see you later. Take care. You too. For all those listening, that is an excellent guide, too. Like, if there's anything that you're not sure about, just go look at that. <laughs> it's, uh, abs- it's the only guide on GameFAQs that has any, like, that has a useful amount of information. <laughs> <sighs> Alright, should we uh, share our favorite games from this year before we wrap it up? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, so... I mean, for me, the obvious answer is uh, The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Yeah, like, I, it, like Breath of the Wild is so much going to be on a list that it almost feels redundant to say it, but yes. <laughs> yeah, so I think instead of talking about that, because uh, I wrote a review of it, and I feel like I've kind of said my, it on podcast yeah, and... I said my piece on it, I'd like to talk about two other Switch games, because I can't decide which is my favorite just yet. Let's that, see how it bears out, child. So <laughs> that would be uh, Mario and Rabbids Battle Kingdom, or Battle... What the f- Kingdom Battle. Battle. Why do I always mess that up? I don't know. Uh, whatever. Anyway, um, uh, a game just absolutely oozing in style and fun and awesome turn-based combat, and... The other one would definitely be uh, even, I think I'm just 20 hours in, would be Xenoblade Chronicles 2. 
Oh man, I can't wait to dig into that. Yeah, it's it's just starting to suck me in, and just just like the first one did. Okay, I want to. S- except, I think this one starts a lot better than the first one did. The first one starts kind of slow. Yeah, it, it's got the first one has this great intro to kind of tease you into it, and then it yeah, it's just kind of slow. Like, uh, let's meander into town and meet a bunch of people, and bleh. you know, not that it's bad or anything. It's just you know, you you have to ease your way into it. Whereas this one is like, okay, you're immediately going off on this thing, and then holy f. <laughs> a massive amount of stuff happens at the end of the first chapter, and yeah, get pretty much sucked in from that point. <laughs> but yeah, I, li- I like that it's got a different combat system than the past two Xenoblade games. It's enough different. The the art style is different, and but just very interesting and expressive music is obviously awesome and it's just got its own its own feel and yet it also still feels familiar so um i guess i guess this is becoming its own full-on series now and i am totally on board with that (laughs) (laughs) and also really 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 want a Xenoblade Chronicles X port to the Switch with a bigger font. Please. <laughs> that Please. sure would be nice, wouldn't it? Underline, capitalize, italics on the bigger font part. <laughs> uh, so what about you, outside of Breath of the Wild? Uh, another obvious one is like Persona 5. Like Yeah. Big one, ate up a lot of my time. Would have probably played through it again if my TV was functional. Still tempted to do it anyway. Hope it comes out on Switch eventually. Yeah. Um, let's see. It was such a big year. Like, it was. Cutting it down to just the top choices feels like it does a disservice to a lot of things. But, uh... I... <sighs> I'd have to I'd have to really look at like I'm also trying to specifically speak only of RPGs cuz like Yeah, see go beyond that and we're just going to be lost. <laughs> yeah, cuz it's stuff like I mean I just had I just finally played like the fir- the last DLC of Resident Evil 7 and that reminded me that like that was a transcendent experience. <laughs> but uh I've been playing The End is Nigh on Switch, which is pretty Oh sweet. yeah, that just came out on Switch. But, yeah, like the the RPGs, those are the big ones. Like people keep telling me I need to play Nier Automata. I'll get around to that when I have a TV. Yeah, uh, there's uh, Horizon oh, Zero Dawn. Yakuza Zero. Yakuza yeah, Zero. There you go. That game belongs on on some year end lists. That game is amazing. And Yakuza Six is going to be out very soon. Please play Yakuza Zero and or Kiwami. Zero is a better game, but Kiwami is very good too. See what else came out this year? We have Big Hole Eight. Say what? Big Hole Eight. Oh, okay. Okay, so it's Big Hole. Uh, poor East Eight. Probably the first and last Falcom game published by Miss America. 
Yeah. Let's see, uh, there's a lot of like second. Uh, there's a lot of those like secondary games that sort of got smashed in yeah. hyper bigger ones. But, uh, What else did come out this year? There's way too much. It's a ton of... Uh, I feel like there's almost a point where you want to do, like, additional content of the year, so stuff like FF15's episodes or the Frozen Wastes for Horizon. Yeah. So that's, that's just, you know, kind of a big deal with the stage. Um... Sorry, I'm, I'm like I'm doing this, but I'm also halfway through like mentally constructing. I want to write like a write even if I never show it to anyone like a grand theory of Kawazu game design. <laughs> that sounds pretty awesome. That would require me to play extensive amounts of FF2, all the saga games, FF12, uh, Treasure of the Rudras, um, the Crystal Chronicles games, a lot of stuff like that. Crystal Bears. Yeah, well, that's yeah. a Crystal Chronicles game. Need to play. I need to play some more of that. Um, but yeah, it's been a astoundingly good year for games, and it's driven a lot by the Switch, which mm. has just had a crazy year. And to me, the the coolest thing the coolest thing about the Switch to me, you know, ignoring all the awesome Nintendo games, uh, which there are many, um, is just how well indie games have been doing on it. Like every time I see someone talk about indie games and their sales across platforms, it's always like, oh yeah, the Switch version did like three times everything else. Yeah. <laughs> Which is crazy, because, you know, initially it's just like, okay, there's not a lot of that, and there was not a lot in the eShop, so, you know, maybe people are just buying a lot of these just because that's all that's there. But now it's, like, absolutely stacked with games, and they, we're still hearing that. Yeah. So there's got to be more to it than, than, than that, more to it than just what I thought, so... To me, like, part of it is just, like, the Switch is definitely my platform of the year. Yeah. But uh, to me, part of it is just that, like, no, like, if I have the option of getting something on Switch or something else, the Switch always wins. Yeah. Like, because it's such a convenient factor, like, I can take it somewhere and play it with, like, do I want to play it multiplayer? Okay, well, I have two controllers for it already. Do I want to... Like, take it with me on a trip. Like, I don't have to think about, like, does this have, like, a cross-play variant, and can I buy a second copy on Vita, or can I do some... Like, do, will I have access to a plug so I can plug in my PC, or, like, that sort of thing? It's just like, no, just... Okay, pull it out of the dock and start playing. Yeah. It, it Like, it doesn't sound as transformative as it is until you're playing it, and you're seeing, like... I don't have to think or make a compromise about this game. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. 
just uh, how nice of a portable it is too. Like it's not too heavy, the screen is great. Obviously the Joy-Cons are great. Just awesome loading times. You got cartridges. Uh, yeah, a lot to love about the system. And I'm hoping for a lot more RPGs on it. Like, uh, obviously I'm uh, consumed by Xenoblade right now, but I've got um, what you call it, Skyrim on there. I'd like to play more of, and I was really hoping that uh, while they did Skyrim, they do they try and port uh, Fallout 4 on there as well, which would have been perfect. But yeah, lots of awesome RPGs on the system, and uh, it seems like more to come. So great freaking year for games. Um, any other thoughts before we close this out? Um. Uh, yeah, like I, I guess that's mostly it. Like. I'm sure I'll think of I'll kick myself thinking of things I wanted to say, but yeah, we should probably wrap this up. This got we spent a lot of saga time. Yeah, well, it's just fine. So yeah, that's it for this year. Obviously, leave comments, questions, etc. Uh, since we didn't get really get any, if you want to tell us your favorite things and thoughts and reflections or rants, whatever we're about 2017 game in gaming, uh, send it to us in the usual place. Um, especially if you have like fun anecdotes about Breath of the Wild and stuff like that. Uh, which I, I remember, this is one of my biggest memories about that game when it first came out, was just all the anecdotes and fun pictures and everything people were taking to the game. Just so much to disc discover in that game and uh man i still have so much to play because i've only like just started digging into master mode which is a whole <laughs> different experience oh that's... yeah it's basically um it's like playing it in normal mode except uh you have to be much more cautious about combat and avoid it a lot more <laughs> except incredibly hard yes it is incredibly hard like in the in the opening plateau um <laughs> the monsters are so hard to kill <laughs> you basically have nothing oh it's brutal yeah alright that's it for this episode uh and please enjoy some selections from the Romancing Saga 2 soundtrack and oh that music yeah, obviously, we highly recommend the game if you haven't already checked it out. Uh, it's not it, a super expensive game either. It is on your platform of choice because it is on them all. <laughs> like, the only current platform that it's not on is uh, 3DS. Yeah. But uh, otherwise, like, if you have anything else that plays games, yeah. you can play it. Like, it's still on phones, by the way. Yep. Uh,. Not my platform of choice, but it may be yours. Yeah. yeah you can like, whatever, on. whatever, what can I do to put you in a nice yes. today? <laughs> It'll even play on your tablet. Yeah. You can even go to 
Amazon.com and get their very cheap uh, Amazon Fire Tablet 7, which is like, I think, 50 bucks, which is crazy. It's a slow tablet, but it will play, it will play you a nice, a very nice Romancing Saga, too, at acceptable speeds. <laughs> So, you know, it's not like the game needs to be running fast as blazes anyway. <laughs> yep. All right, and let's leave it at that. Romancing Saga 2. See you next year. Mar also still playing Romancing Saga 2. <laughs> <laughs> Merry Romancing Saga 2, and to all of Romancing Saga 2. Let us all pray for the release of Romancing Saga 3 in a timely fashion. Yes, please. And Happy New Year, everyone. Happy New Year.